It was a lovely summer's day. I remember I'd broken up from university and I was sat in my parents' back garden speaking with an old friend. I'd been so refreshed in my faith, so um, enlivened by the message of good news in Jesus. I was so looking forward to coming home and to speaking of it and sharing of it with a friend. So there we were in the back garden talking. But as we talked, my friend got, seemed to get more and more confused and the sentences seemed to end with the phrase, well, we'll agree to disagree about that. I think my friend came to find me a little bit strange. I mean, sure, people do find Christians strange uh, sometimes, don't they? What we do and say and think and believe and prioritise. People find that weird sometimes and, and so they'll distance themselves from us. Um, but now I had someone who I thought was a Christian and they didn't seem to get it. I, I think he was frustrated. I think I was frustrated. Um, it didn't seem to make sense to him and it was tough. And one of us said God was like this. Christianity is like this. And one of us said Christianity is like this. But who was to be believed? What was right? And, and, and how could we reconcile? Because the message of the Bible is this, isn't it? You can be reconciled to God. God is reconciling in Christ the world to himself. Reconciliation was needed between my friend and I. But, but more than that, bigger than that, reconciliation is needed with God. My friend, I think, had just drifted away. And it is for precisely that reason that the second letter to the church in Corinth is written. Here in Corinth is a church that have become, as my friend was with me, <laughs> fed up. Um, they're, they're fed up of Paul. His behaviour seems to be odd. Um, he doesn't visit. The last time he visited, it was painful. He sent us a letter and it made us cry. <laughs> um, he won't accept our, our stipend either. And, and so we were collecting money for the church in Jerusalem, but now the Corinthians think, well, we won't do that either. And maybe life is better in the pagan cults, they're thinking. And, and well, other Christians seem to think that Paul's Christianity is just weak and powerless. So perhaps we'll just drift away. Perhaps we'll distance ourselves from Paul. And The problem was, as they distanced themselves from him, they distanced themselves from God. Maybe you've been there. Uh, maybe you're there today, struggling and wanting to put yourself at distance from the church, perhaps, and from God as well. Well, if that's you, then the message is here for us today. It's at the heart of our passage in chapter 5 and verse 20. Here's the message for us today. Be reconciled to God. You can be reconciled to God. Here in the, the centre of this letter, Paul is appealing to us to get right with God. He describes himself as a spokesperson, as like an envoy, an ambassador even. God is making an appeal through Paul. God is reaching out to this church and he's reaching out to us this morning through this ambassador, through Paul. And the question for us this morning is, will we let that appeal through? Will, friends, you hear that message be reconciled to God? Now, reconciliation is often a difficult thing, isn't it? It involves pain and hurt. Sometimes there's a lot of clearing away of debris and misunderstanding. Well, let's give 
room for God's ambassador to do just that. And let's hear him out. He's going to give us three things this morning. The first thing he's going to give us, he's going to show us the ambassador's heart. Then he's going to show us the ambassador's vision. And then he's going to give us the ambassador's appeal. Will we hear the appeal be reconciled to God? The church was helped, and I think will be helped by seeing these three things this morning. So, firstly then, let's notice, please, the ambassador's heart. Look at chapter 5, verse 11. Paul continues to speak of Christ, be reconciled to God. Why does he keep doing that? Well, look at verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Paul's building here on what he's been saying throughout the letter. He's known God's strength in weakness. God is amazing that he provides strength in weakness. He's been following the Lord. And he's received a ministry from God himself. So he's in awe. God would give me this ministry. Wow. He's been told by God that God puts his message in weak vessels. Wow. And he's been shown that one day those weak vessels won't remain. That there'll be new bodies. And that one day the Lord Jesus himself will return in judgment to make the world anew. And so Paul lives in awe, in fear and awe of this wonderful God. His heart is shaped by it. And so he can't stop speaking boldly of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's really his central concern. That's what is on his heart. In the end, you see, he, he wants this Corinthian church to be reconciled to God. But his concern isn't predominantly with them, but mostly about God. Look at verse 11 again. He says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it's known also to your conscience. See, Paul's concern is that God's entrusted him with a job, and he wants to be known well by God. And thereafter, of course, to be known well by people's consciences. But really, he just wants to be known by God. What matters to him is the Lord's verdict on his life, most of all. And see how he says it again in verse 12, look. We are not commending ourselves. We're not proving ourselves to you again. Actually, we're doing something else. We're giving you cause to boast about us. So you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. You see, Paul is speaking to this church and he's not doing it to get a big pat on the back, to get a big public commendation for them to think super well of him. He wants to be reconciled to them, but that's not the big thing he wants to do. He wants them to have answers to the people who, who, who think about outward appearance, who think about what's on the face, who are saying things that are wrong. Some people are saying we're polished and we're punctual and these super apostles are saying we're rational and we're impressive and Paul is pathetic and irrational and a bit lame. And what's he, he even about? And what's on his heart? Does he even care about you? And Paul here comes as an ambassador and says, I want to give you answers from the heart. I want to show you the heart, what matters. He says, look. Verse 13. Look at my behaviour. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Look how he shows heart again. Do you notice that? Paul says to this church, look, however you read me, if you look at my life and think, I'm mad. 
if you think I'm beside myself, then would you consider that that is done for God? So perhaps it wouldn't make sense to you. And if what I'm doing and saying it does make sense to you, well then would you consider that that is done for you? In other words, however you read me and my mission, well know that it's done totally devoted to the Lord and therefore devoted to you too in kindness. Because here's the ambassador's heart, it is the love of Christ that controls us, he says. And I love, I love the way here, it isn't Paul's love for Christ that controls him. Now that kind of love can wax and wane, can't it? No, Paul says here, the love of Christ, the love Christ has for us, that controls me. That's what has hold of my heart. This ambassador's heart is controlled by someone else and what he's done. Someone else has the helm. Someone else's enacted love is in the driving seat. And you go, well, how on earth can that be the case? Well, look again at verse 14. The love of Christ controls us because we've concluded this. That one has died for all and therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Here is what this ambassador has come to understand, that something cosmically universe changing has happened. You see, at the beginning of the ages, through one man, through one man's life, death came to everyone. All in Adam die. But now, Paul says, something has happened that controls my heart. For in one man and one man's death, now comes life to all who would trust in his name. The death itself has been rewound. It has worked backwards. In the Lord Jesus Christ, death has been removed. Those living in Christ, united to him, placed in him, now live and now live in him and for him. And so, Paul says, I will persuade others of that. I will keep speaking boldly of it. You see, this appeal, this appeal doesn't come from anything in himself. It comes from the love of Christ. You know, so often when people want reconciliation, we wonder, do they really want it? What's in it for them? What do they want out of it? Do they, do they really want me, really? And suspicion kind of hangs over it, doesn't it? But look here, here is this ambassador making an appeal, be reconciled to God. And it's controlled by the love of Christ. That's what controls them. That's what controls him. You see, I guess if we were to appeal to others, and our central concern was them, and, and our love for them, we might be tempted to change the message to make them accept it. Or we might be so worried about it that we never speak to them of it. But if the love of Christ is your central concern, you're free to love them without them using you or you using them or being enslaved or being crushed. This love of Christ controls Paul. 
And so he persuades others. He loves them rightly. And that is the ambassador who appeals to us today. Can you let an appeal from someone who loves Christ like that get through to your heart this morning? And can you see what it would mean for us as we appeal to others to be reconciled to God? And we are afraid sometimes of others and and, and we are worried about our mental image in the eyes of others. Are they going to respect me or are they going to shame me? You see, Paul sees that Christ has died for him. And so now he lives for Christ. And his behaviour might be seen as odd or irrational or mad. (laughs) But his heart is to be controlled by the love of Christ. What a wonderful thing. What a remarkable thing it would be if our soul's concern was so in awe of God, so shaped by the love of Christ, that he was our central concern And how attractive it would be for us to speak to the world and say, be reconciled to God. Look at what he has done. So firstly, see the ambassador's heart. But secondly, in our passage this morning, spot the ambassador's vision. It's there, I think, in verses 16 to 19 of chapter 5. The ambassador's vision. Did you spot it in verse 16? Look how Paul speaks. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. So here's Paul, and and he knows the fear of the Lord now. He knows that he wants to live for, for God, and he has the love of Christ controlling his heart. And that doesn't just change now the way he thinks about himself, but it actually changes the way that he views other people. It's like he's wearing a new pair of glasses. The basis on which he evaluates other people has changed completely. And he says, look, he he won't evaluate people on a worldly basis anymore, according to the flesh. He won't evaluate people on their performance, their success, or their achievement. Oh, for sure, that was what he used to do. Don't get him wrong, he used to do that. He even used to regard Christ in this way. You see, Paul, in his former life, well, he was such a religious zealot, so keen to be the religious high performer that he viewed the Lord Jesus Christ as accursed, as a heretic, as one rightly condemned on the tree. He hated Jesus and he pursued Christians to death. Oh, sure, yeah, Paul used to evaluate Jesus even according to the ways of the world. But when he met Jesus on the Damascus Road, risen, ascended Lord, Well, that put that to bed, didn't it? So look now. Look now how he changes the way that he views others. How he'll treat and evaluate them. Look now. Look at verse 17, for example. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. Look at the emphasis there. He says, if anyone is in Christ, united to him by faith... They are a new creation. If anyone, if even Paul could be made a new creation, if anyone, if any of us is in Christ, they can be a new creation. It's like Paul saying here, what is to stop anyone 
being reconciled with God. What's to stop you being reconciled with God this morning? Do you think it's impossible for God to accept you? Do you think that God will always treat you as a failure or as a nobody? Do you think he'll always think that way of you? No, he will not. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Oh no, Ollie, that's impossible. That could not happen. Well, look at Paul's confidence. Look at verse 18. All this is from God. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. It is possible. It is possible to be reconciled to God because God is taking the initiative. God is bringing reconciliation to us. God is now reconciling the world to himself and Paul knows that for sure. People really can become a new creation because this work isn't their own. Paul is an ambassador of this message. He's just bringing a message. He's not telling them they need to sort their act out. He's not a religious guru or a life coach. He's an ambassador of God. God is taking the initiative, friends, with us today. I discovered this uh, this week that apparently in an ancient context, ambassadors were different to how they are today. So you think of an ambassador today, um, imagine Luxembourg send an ambassador to the United States of America. Now, America would probably then send an ambassador back to Luxembourg. It's kind of like for like, we swap, we swap ambassadors. That wasn't the way it used to be. Uh, in those days, if Luxembourg sent an ambassador to the United States of America, America would send back governors. If you want to be friends with us, then we will rule you and we will govern you. <laughs> In other words, it was the weak party that sent the ambassadors. And so do you see here what God is doing? God isn't sending governors. He is sending ambassadors. God wants to reconcile with you and I. God wants to reconcile the world. In Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself. It starts with him. And how does that work? Well, look at verse 21. What a beautiful and glorious verse. For our sake, he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He knew no sin and he became sin. On a word processor, how long does it take you before you have to hit the backspace or grab the spell-checking thing? If you write a letter, how long before you need the tip X? If you send a text, how long before you need to start again? In a friendship, how long is it before an apology is needed? In a day, how long is it before you have a regret? In a week, how long is it before you wish all those things that you thought weren't so angry, weren't so jealous weren't so distrusting of God and everyone. Well, for 33 years, Jesus lived and there was no sin in him. He knew no sin and the disciples lived and breathed with Jesus for three years 
And they never saw him put a foot wrong once. He was perfect in all righteousness. And so he who knew absolutely nothing of all of the wrong and all of the mess, well, he was made and counted as if he was full of it. Full of what was ours. So that in him, we might have his righteousness, his perfection. So that it was just as if we had lived the life that Jesus had always lived. Wow. This is the great work of God. This is reconciliation. This is what God would do. This is the message entrusted to Paul. He's received it. He's been reconciled to God. And now he shares that that message. And it's something to digest, isn't it? And it's changed Paul. Now he's got new vision. He can't hold any prejudices. He can't view anyone as any more or less worthy of God. He can't decide whether someone will warrant God's affections or not. He regards no one, yes, no one, according to the flesh. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Anyone. This is God's work. God is no longer now counting sins against us, but counting themselves, at, counting them against Christ when we're in him. And so the ambassador appeals to us, be reconciled to God. Don't drift away from the Lord anymore. And don't go with those super apostles and their message. See where this comes from. You know, sometimes, again, when people are reconciling, trying to reconcile with us, we wonder how they see us, don't we? Is this really for real? What do they think of me? Am I a project? Am I, what am I to them? Is this for real? Yes, it is. God wants to reconcile with sinners. God wants to reconcile with you and me. And Paul knows it himself wonderfully. If anyone can be saved, well, anyone really can be saved. Anyone can be a new creation. Would you put on the glasses? And would you be reconciled to God? Again, listen, there'll be some this morning saying and thinking in our hearts, God would never want me. Someone speaking to me of the Lord Jesus Christ, they'd never view me as becoming a new creation. God would never include me. But you see here how much God wants to reconcile with you. The Lord Jesus Christ, even in his total sinless perfection, would take on all our dross, all our muck, all our shame, all our sin, and give you what is only and truly ever his That we might know and be loved by God himself. How wonderful and beautiful is God's work of reconciliation. And friends, so if we want to be ministers of this reconciliation, if we want to share it, well, we'll need those, that same vision of the ambassador, won't we? We'll need his glasses, won't we? We'll need to make sure that we're not viewing people according to any worldly standards. Now, sometimes I think... And boy, have I seen it in myself that sometimes we say other people's no's for them. Oh, they won't want to hear this. They're too cool for this. They're not the right type of person to be sympathetic to Jesus. Their life is too, oh, I don't know. Be too radical for them to become a Christian. You see here, when someone is in Christ, the old has passed away. 
It is passed away. It is the past. And they are made new. And it is a work solely of God's. Have you got that vision? We've seen the ambassador's heart. We've seen the ambassador's vision. And this paves the way for the ambassador's appeal. The ambassador's appeal. It's there in verse 20, isn't it? Uh, How does Paul speak? We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Here Paul stands for Christ, ambassador of Christ. I am here on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God, he says. And look how it expands on it in chapter 6. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favourable time, I listen to you. In a day of salvation, I've helped you. Behold, now is the favourable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The apostle says to us this morning, it is possible uh, to, to receive the grace of God in vain. It's possible to look like you've received the message of reconciliation, but to not really have done so. And so Paul sees himself here, like, like the prophet Isaiah speaking, and, and he quotes the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah had said, one day a day of salvation is coming. And Paul says, it's here now. Now is the moment when all of God's plans to reconcile the world are here. They've broken into our world. The message of reconciliation that was long promised is here. The ambassador, the ambassadors are here. The message of reconciliation has taken off. It's taken flight. And people are proclaiming it all across the world. You can have it. Today is the day. Be reconciled to God. And though the Corinthians have found fault with him, begrudged him and so on, they really, they really shouldn't have. You see, here is an apostle making his appeal and he's just clearing away the obstacles. He's saying, you just need to hear this appeal. And look how he explains it in verse 3. We put no obstacle in anyone's way. So that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. And look at the every way, by the way. (laughs) By great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities. In these specific situations, look at this. In beatings, imprisonments, in riots. Look at this. In the normal course of ministry, labours, sleepless nights and hungers. uh, By a particular manner of purity and knowledge and patience and kindness. By particular means of the, of the Holy Spirit, of genuine love, of truthful speech and the power of God, with weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, through all sorts of circumstances. He's cleared the obstacles, honour and dishonour, through slander and praise. Even with people's contrasting perceptions of him, Paul kept speaking and appealing. We're treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying, behold, we live, as punished and yet... And not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. And look how it builds, verse 11. We have spoken freely to you. We have opened our mouths before you, Corinthians, and our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you're restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak to you as, as children. Widen your hearts also. See, here, the ambassador appeals. And he's been clearing the obstacles, actually. There's no reason to reject him. His record is just impeccable, isn't it? He's cleared the way to speak of reconciliation. The love of Christ really has controlled his heart, hasn't it? Look at that CV in those verses. 
And he stands with mouth wide open and heart wide open. Key organs in the body. Open, vulnerable, unrestricted. He's exposed. And so he says, guys, give it up. Widen your heart to me too. Be reconciled to God. Let this message of reconciliation in. And so I'll say it again. The question is, will we let that appeal in? I was reading the other day of the reasons why sometimes people drift away from the church. One that was given is sometimes people feel hurt by the church. Well, the Corinthians felt hurt by the church, didn't they? They felt hurt by Paul. Maybe sometimes it feels like the easiest thing to, is, to do is to drift away. Easier than being sad. But the biblical answer is to, to take, take your hurts to God and to have it out and to sort it out in the church. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's clearing the obstacles, isn't he? Setting things right with him and, and the Corinthians. And if you're in that place this morning of, of drifting away and you're struggling to hear this message be reconciled to God, well, know that the deepest healing we find in the Lord Jesus, the reconciliation's here, isn't it? You won't get that deeper healing by walking away. Some people, sometimes people walk away because of bad teaching. And again, that was happening in Corinth, wasn't it? The super apostles saying, you need to be super if you're a Christian. And what's needed for that is good teaching. And Paul's providing that here, isn't he? And sometimes people want to drift Really, actually, just because they want to sin, actually. Hold your breath for that. Paul's going to say something about that in chapter 6. And sometimes people want to drift away simply because it feels hip and cool to doubt. Paul's addressed that as well, hasn't he? Far more important to be known by a faithful God than to be known by fickle friends, isn't it? So he comes here with an appeal. And just an appeal, no obstacles. And there's no obstacles in his heart. There's no obstacles in his vision, no prejudices. It's an appeal, pure and simple. Be reconciled to God. And this letter was sent to a church. It was proclaimed to a church. And so I take it, it's a message that we need to hear today too. It's a message of reconciliation. And, and the church there needed to reconcile with Paul. To reconcile with God, actually. And there's a sense in which that's true today, isn't it? In a sense, in order to welcome this message that I'm speaking to you today, you need to, in some senses, welcome me. <laughs> you need to, in some senses, be happy to hear from me, don't you? So Paul says, widen your hearts to me as well so that you can hear this message. Here is an appeal, pure and simple, be reconciled to God. So how do you need to reconcile to God this morning? How might you have drifted, friends? I take it this message has bite for us. How do you need to respond to the model that's set before us? It's a wonderful model, isn't it? Do you have a heart driven by the love of God more than the love of others? It frees you up to love others well? Do you have a vision of reconciliation that is here? If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Does that shape the way you see people every day? In the corner shop, on the high street. Can you present the message without obstacles? Is your ambition to clear the way? What obstacles might need dealing with in your life and ministry? For reconciliation is needed. There is no Christianity without the message we have received today, is there? I love the way Richard Hooker once said it. 
Let it be counted folly or frenzy or fury or whatsoever. It is our wisdom and it is our comfort. We care for no knowledge in the world but this, that God has made himself the sin of men and that men are made the righteousness of God. God is reconciling the world to himself. Friends, be reconciled to God and go from here to minister the message of reconciliation. Shall we pray? Our loving Father, we know that we're called to a life of repentance and faith. And so, Father, we are quick to recognise there are ways in which we need reconciling to you this day. Thank you that in Christ you are reconciling the world to yourself. What glorious, wonderful news. Father, would it shape our hearts? Would it change our vision? And would we be people who take on this model and bring this appeal to all nations? We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.